Well, good morning. Welcome to Long Hill Baptist Church Sunday School Hour. Let's take our hymn page and turn to number 626. We'll sing Jesus Loves Me, all three verses of 626, Jesus Loves Me. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me, the Bible tells me so. Jesus loves me, he who died, heaven's gate to open wide. He will wash away my sin, let his little child come in. Yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me, the Bible tells me so. Jesus loves me, he will stay close beside me all the way. Thou hast bled and died for me, I will henceforth live for thee. Yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me, the Bible tells me so. Well, good morning. Welcome to the Sunday School Hour at Long Hill Baptist Church in Trumbull, Connecticut. Thank you very much uh, for joining us online today. A special welcome to our church members uh, and anyone who may be visiting this morning. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we opened with a, a, a great uh, little Sunday School song, Jesus Loves Me. And uh, what a great truth. Uh, what a, a wonderful certainty this morning to know for sure uh, that if you feel like no one loves you, you, you can know for sure that Christ loves you. The Bible uh, is clear. God the Father loves us so much that he sent his only begotten son, Brother Ray, to die in our place upon the cross. That's love in action. Uh, it's a great love in action. Join me, please, this morning in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Take your Bible, please, this morning. Uh, come to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 uh, with me, please. Now, today, uh, between our three services, uh, it's, it's a day for finishing things. Uh, it's a day for completing some things. And this hour, uh, Lord willing, we'll complete the book of 1 Thessalonians. And then in the next two services, uh, at 11 o'clock and 6 o'clock, uh, we'll have a two-part message and we'll aim to complete... Uh, Paul's inspired letter to the, the, the uh, church at Corinth, 2 Corinthians. So uh, today, across our three services, we, we hope to, be, to complete two books. Uh, and so next Sunday, we'll plan to begin two new series. Now, I also want to encourage you to join us Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock for our midweek Bible study. Uh, on Wednesday nights, we've just begun uh, a new series in the Old Testament book of Judges. So this be a really great opportunity to get better grounded uh, in some of the Old uh, Testament history books. 
Uh, we'll be looking at Judges and, and bringing in some things from 1st, 2nd Kings and Chronicles uh, and so forth and, and taking great care uh, to mine out biblical principles that are relevant to us uh, living today in, in 2020. Uh, so please do join us on Wednesday nights as well. So here we are this morning uh, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I want to pray real fast, and then we're going to just jump right in, try to cover a lot of ground here this morning. Uh, bow your head with me in prayer, please. Father, I do thank you, Lord, this morning uh, for our church. Uh, I thank you for our salvation. Uh, Lord, we are... Uh, concerned about not being able to meet at this time. Father, we pray for your wisdom regarding when to begin meeting in person again. Lord, that's our desire. You've commanded us to not forsake the assembling together, and so uh, it is our desire to do that as soon as we possibly can do that safely and wisely in a way that will bring honor and glory to you, uh, in a way that will not harm our testimony here uh, in the community. So Lord, we do pray for your wisdom this morning. Uh, Father, meanwhile, I thank you for uh, the Bible and specifically for the book of 1 Thessalonians, Paul's uh, inspired letter, your words given by Paul to that church uh, and to this church and to the members and uh, the visitors today. I pray, Father, that you would help us now to focus upon your words, to see things that uh, you want us to see this morning and to each apply them in the way that you may lead. Father, help me now. I need your help. I pray that you'll work now uh, in these next few minutes. Lord, thank you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, think with me for a moment uh, to last week's lesson. Uh, last Sunday morning at 10 o'clock hour, we were in uh, chapter 4, and in the second half of chapter 4, Zachary, we saw uh, Paul giving us instruction, the Lord's uh, revelation of uh, the rapture, uh, the next major event in God's uh, timeline, his uh, eschatological timeline, uh, if you will, uh, the, the timeline of end things. Uh, Brother Ray, the very next thing that we're looking for in God's plan is the rapture, the catching away of God's people, those that have died in the Lord first, and then uh, the rest of us who may still be living at that time uh, to be caught up together with the Lord in, in the air. And, uh, that, of course, uh, once we are removed, that will rusher in the so-called seven-year tribulation period, uh, a time when, uh, at least in the second half of that, uh, period, Lord will begin to judge people and, and to mete out judgment uh, with the intention of, of correcting them and, and drawing them to Christ. Of course, that'll be followed by the seven year, I should forgive me, that'll be followed by the, the return of Christ with us uh, to usher in his thousand year or millennial reign uh, here upon the earth. So uh, here we see now Paul building on what he has introduced regarding the rapture uh, in the last chapter uh, and, and communicating some truths from the Lord regarding uh, the so-called day of the Lord, beginning with the rapture and continuing through uh, the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ. Uh, see verse 1 with me, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1. He says, the specific day is uh, not known. We don't know when the rapture will come. We don't know when uh, the rapture will come initiating the day of the Lord. Uh, the Bible says uh, here in, in verse 1, but of the times and seasons, brethren, he's writing to the saved uh, believing church members, ye, all of you have no need that are right unto you, for ye yourselves know perfectly uh, that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. 
Uh, Brother Ray, just as a thief, would not send us an email or a text saying, uh, hey, I'm coming Tuesday night to break into your house and steal your stuff. Uh, the Lord has not given us the exact time uh, for the rapture. So uh, it's, it behooves us to always be watching. We know from Scripture that it's imminent. Uh, it's been about to occur for a long time. It could happen uh, at any moment. It could happen this morning and the next moment. Uh, we don't know uh, when the rapture is coming, but we know for sure that it is coming. Well, Paul uh, then kind of narrows down his focus to, uh, in, in the next verse, uh, in verse 3, he narrows his focus to uh, really the second half of, of the tribulation period. So we don't know when the rapture is coming, but, but it's going to come, and uh, that's our hope. That's our resurrection, our bodily resurrection and, and, and perfection to incorruptibility. Uh, we don't know when that will happen, but we do know it will happen. Uh, after that happens, the, the lost, those that have not yet accepted Christ, be left behind. Uh, things will look to be okay for the first half of the seven-year tribulation period. Uh, and then in the second half, the final three and a half years of the tribulation, uh, there, there'll be great judgment, a, a time of incredible difficulty, great tribulation. Uh, and Paul focuses on that truth in verse 3. He says, for when uh, they shall say peace uh, and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, uh, and they shall not escape. So uh, this would seem to be dealing again specifically with the second half, the final three and a half year period of the tribulation period. So uh, let's back up for a moment. This is the Sunday school hour. So let's, let's teach a few things uh, about this. Uh, we know this is a time of great judgment. Uh, back in 2013, we studied verse by verse through the book of Revelation, and it's, uh, it's the time that Revelation describes uh, in Revelation 4 all the way through Revelation 20. Uh, the, there, uh, John, as, as the Lord has revealed to him things that will happen, the, the, these, these uh, terrible judgments that God will mete out, that he will pour out during that uh, three-and-a-half-year period are described there in Revelation 4 uh, through, through chapter 20. Uh, Daniel described this time as a time of trouble such as never was or as never will be. That's Daniel 12 in, in verse 1. Uh, Jesus himself said in Matthew 24 uh, and verse 21, for then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world uh, to this time, no, nor ever shall be. This is a time to be uh, missed. This is, this is not something to look forward to uh, if you're a believer. And thankfully, uh, the Bible is quite clear that, that believers will not be here uh, for, for the uh, tribulation period. Now, it's, again, Sunday school, so it's, it's good to stop and take a moment and, uh, and consider once again, why is it, Brother Way, that we believe that the rapture, the catching away of believers, will happen before the tribulation period begins? Well, uh, if you consider back to the book of Revelation again, there in the first four chapters of the book, you see churches uh, and the Lord dealing with churches. And then from chapter 5 to verse 20, which deals with the, the tribulation period and all the uh, trials and judgments of that time, there's no mention of churches at all. Uh, it's as if they're not in the picture. Uh, so that's one reason to believe that uh, the, the, the catching away of believers happens before the tribulation period. 
Uh, of course, we, we compare Scripture with Scripture. We believe the, uh, the idea of a pre-tribulation. You probably heard the, the phrase uh, pre-trib rapture uh, is most consistent with the Bible teaching that Christians will escape the wrath of God. Listen, we, we have salvation and we've been saved uh, from the consequences of sin, the, the wrath of God uh, at our sin and, uh, and, and his justice being satisfied by our punishment in hell. Well, the Bible teaches that uh, our salvation has the uh, effect of causing us to uh, miss out on, on the wrath and, and, and the, the judgment and punishment of our sin. Get a couple verses down quickly. Romans 5 and verse 9 uh, says this, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. We've been saved by God's wrath against sin through our faith in Christ and, uh, and his punishment upon the cross. And then back in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 10, uh, there we saw uh, Paul writes to wait for uh, his son from heaven. That's what we're called to right now, to, to wait for Christ who will come from heaven, um, whom, whom he, God, raised from the dead, even Jesus, uh, which delivered us from the wrath to come. So the Bible's clear. Uh, Christians have been delivered by and we will be delivered from uh, the wrath. And of course, there's, um, there's various events uh, throughout Scripture which uh, may be types or may foreshadow or may picture, Zachary, this idea of a pre-tribulation uh, rapture. For example, Enoch was taken from the world before the flood uh, there in Genesis 5. And in Genesis 19, Lot was taken from Sodom uh, before the, the judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah. So uh, there's, there's clear teaching which is consistent with the pre-tribulation rapture. We don't see churches being alluded to in Revelation uh, as John is revealing what God has revealed to him regarding uh, the judgments of the tribulation. And we have these Old Testament uh, pictures which seem to uh, allude to or foreshadow uh, this same idea. So uh, there's lots of reasons that we can be uh, quite sure that we will miss the tribulation. Uh, we will not be here for it. We've been saved by, uh, saved from uh, the wrath of God. So uh, stop and consider that for a moment. That's a, Brother Ray, that's a comforting thought. If someone uh, has been sitting around thinking, boy, I, I look around, I see this coronavirus, I see it all around the world, I, I, I see uh, people dying. I wonder if this is the uh, tribulation period. I mean, people back in uh, the first century in, in Thessalonica were, were confused. They were wondering uh, about the, the trials and tribulations they saw in their lifetime. And uh, back in the time of World War I and World War II, people wondered about the same thing. You had these global catastrophic things happening, and people thought, boy, is this the tribulation? And we have a, a global pandemic today, and some people are beginning to wonder, is this the tribulation? And uh, we say, no, uh, no, the Bible uh, is not at all consistent with God's people still being here uh, during the tribulation. So uh, we should comfort ourselves with this truth. Uh, this is not the tribulation. Uh, we will escape the tribulation because of Christ uh, and because of the punishment that he endured for us. Uh, so uh, that's, that's wonderful truth. Now come back here. Uh, I get a little bit ahead of myself here. Uh, let's come all the way back to verse uh, 3 uh, for a moment. So who is it uh, that will experience the tribulation period? Well, uh, back in verse 3, Paul says, For when they shall say, 
Uh, then sudden destruction shall come upon them, and they shall not escape. So who are the they and the them and the they? Well, that's the lost, of course. Uh, those ha who have refused uh, to come to Christ, those uh, that have not repented of sin and placed their faith in Christ and the blood that he shed upon the cross to cover our sin, it's they, it's them who will experience the seven-year tribulation period. Let's see some things uh, here in that same verse. Uh, we see here that for them, uh, the tribulation will come. It'll be unexpected. Uh, it, it'll be quite unexpected. Uh, verse 3 says, For when they shall say peace and safety, uh, then sudden destruction. It'll, it'll come upon them suddenly. Everything will seem to be, <coughs> everything will seem to be okay. Uh, and that's consistent with what we see in the book of Revelation, Brother Ray. Uh, the Antichrist comes upon the scene and apparently he's able to architect a, uh, a global peace, which is quite different from what we have in the world today. Uh, there's calls for peace, of course, but uh, they're really, and it's interesting, there, there's many calls for peace uh, in, in the face of the coronavirus, and yet there still uh, is no peace. Uh, there'll be a false peace engineered by the Antichrist for a short time uh, in the tribulation period, and then all of a sudden, God will begin to pour out his wrath. We see that in the book of Revelation, and we see Paul alluding to that uh, here in verse uh, 3. It'll come upon the lost unexpectedly, uh, and it will come suddenly. He says they will experience sudden destruction. Just a quick review, because this is Sunday school, uh, about that word destruction. Destruction does not mean that your life will be snuffed out, that your conscious existence will be ended. Uh, people who, who end up in hell because they refuse Christ uh, will continue to have a conscious existence uh, throughout all time. That will never end. This Bible word destruction, it's translated from an underlying word which has the idea not of loss of life but loss of well-being. Uh, Brother Ray, certainly people in hell will not experience well-being in any sense. People who suffer the tribulation period uh, will experience destruction in that same sense. They'll experience a loss of, of well-being uh, during the tribulation period. Now, some will die, but uh, the word here does not seem to refer specifically to death. It does not have that literal meaning. So uh, there'll be a great deal of suffering amongst those who are left behind. Now, they'll still be able to be saved. Uh, if, if they'll place their faith in Christ before they may die, uh, but, but great difficulty, great trials, uh, such as the world has never seen, will be experienced by these, and it'll come unexpectedly uh, and suddenly. Verse 3 says it'll come as travail upon a woman with child. Uh, so apparently that judgment will begin uh, uh, to be a lesser judgment, and over time, uh, it will increase progressively. The difficulties that people, the trials, the judgment of God will begin as uh, uh, lesser trial, lesser judgment, and it'll ramp up over a period of time, uh, not unlike that which a, 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 mo a mother, an expectant mother experienced, the birth pangs that she experiences uh, as she's about to give birth. They begin uh, and they, they start to become closer and closer together and they become more painful uh, and then the child is born. So that's the illustration uh, that the Lord has given Paul here. Uh, no doubt this is intended to 
the Lord, Lord intends to uh, put a little bit of trial to encourage some to come to Christ. And when, when some refuse, there'll be a greater trial. And of course, this is ultimately about bringing Israel, the nation of Israel, the people of Israel to Christ once and for all. Paul makes it clear uh, at the end of verse 3 that uh, for those who do not know Christ, this will be an inescapable time of trial. They shall not escape. So uh, it'll come unexpectedly. It'll come suddenly. It will increase progressively, uh, and it'll be inescapable. Praise God this morning that if you know Christ as your Savior, you will not experience that, again, for the reasons that we just reviewed uh, a moment ago. So uh, thankfully now, Paul uh, next moves to contrasting uh, to contrasting the, the great difficulty, the great tribulation of the coming tribulation period uh, with the wonderful hope of believers, uh, with the wonderful hope of believers. Uh, see verse 4, he says, But ye, brethren, uh, you save people. Uh, the saved church members at Thessalonica and Zach, the saved church members uh, in Trumbull uh, at Long Hill Baptist Church, he says, But ye, brethren, are not in darkness. Uh, that the day should overtake you as a thief. This is not going to be a surprise to us. We have God's words, Brother Ray. Uh, God has revealed to us what is coming. It'll not be a surprise to us. He says in verse 5, Ye, all of you, are the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the dark, uh, not of the night, nor of darkness. Uh, we have been brought out of darkness into the light spiritually. Uh, and there's also an allusion here to the knowledge that we have as people who've received Christ uh, and his words, uh, all of the words of scripture. Uh, we've been given uh, light uh, regarding things to come. And so the day of the Lord, beginning with the rapture, uh, it'll not be unexpected to us. Uh, it might, it'll, it'll happen suddenly, but not unexpectedly because we're taught by these uh, God's words. We're called to watch. Having been taught, we're called to watch for the day. Verse six says, therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober, uh, be watching for the day of the Lord, knowing that the there's nothing in Scripture in God's timeline that prevents the rapture from being today. God could catch us up in the next moment. That's our hope. That's not to be dreaded. That's our wonderful hope. Uh, physical sufferings ended. Financial struggles ended. Uh, all, all difficulties ended. Resurrection bodies perfected and incorruptible. Uh, wonderful, uh, eternal uh, joy and blessings. Uh, no more sorrows. Uh, what a wonderful hope that we have. He says, therefore, let us not sleep, verse 6, as others do, but watch and be sober. Uh, don't be caught off guard. Uh, live your life like you might be caught up to the Lord in the next moment. Uh, consider, stop and consider that for a moment. What would I do right now if I knew that I would be caught up together with the Lord in the next moment? What would I do tomorrow at 10 o'clock if I knew at 11 o'clock the rapture was going to happen? Well, we don't know. Paul's made that clear. We are called to be watching and living our lives as if it could be the next moment because indeed it could be the next moment. Uh, Lord, help us to live our lives with that hope and also a sobriety, uh, a self-control and a serious attitude uh, about life uh, that we not be uh, embarrassed uh, at the coming of the Lord. 
Uh, we're called to be sober, to exercise faith and love and the hope of salvation. Verse 8, but let us who are of the day, verse 8, be sober, putting on the breastplate, the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. Why? Uh, why be hopeful? Uh, why, why be hopeful? Uh, I, I posted last night uh, a blog post, a little article that I wrote back in February before this coronavirus thing was upon us. And uh, I noted in my post that uh, I cringe, Brother Ray, whenever I hear, uh, in these uncertain times, well, there may be some uncertainty about how the coronavirus will affect us, uh, less certainty right now, I think, but, but there's no uncertainty about our salvation. There's no uncertainty about our hope. And by the way, nothing is uncertain to God. God knows all things. Uh, and, and he's given, he's revealed everything to us in his word that we need to know. Uh, he's not left us guessing about anything that we really need to know. Uh, we have a certain hope in Christ. Whatever uncertainty there may be about how coronavirus and COVID-19 may affect us, uh, there is no uncertainty regarding the hope that we have in Christ. We have the certain hope of salvation, uh, salvation from the tribulation, salvation from uh, the great white throne judgment, salvation from the lake of fire, salvation from punishment there. Uh, we are called to be a people of great hope. Why be hopeful? Verse 9, for God hath not appointed us to wrath. Uh, he's not going to judge us for our sin. He'll judge our service for sure, and he'll reward our faithfulness for sure, but he's not appointed us to wrath at our sin, but instead, verse 9, to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us that or so that, whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Whether you are alive or dead, at the coming of Christ in the rapture, we will be together with him. That is our certain hope. There's no uncertainty about that at all. Uh, and so I do cringe when I hear, in these uncertain times, uh, I don't want to hear that among uh, church people. We, the, no matter what time it is, uh, it's a time for certainty among God's people, certainty regarding truth uh, and our hope. Uh, and then in the balance of the chapter here, really the balance of the book, uh, Paul uh, focuses on the Lord gives him and he gives us instruction regarding how should we be living our lives meanwhile. Yes, the rapture could happen imminently, uh, but if it doesn't, how should we live our lives? If it doesn't come in the next moment, the next day, week, month, year, how should we live our lives? What should we be doing meanwhile? What attitudes, what actions should uh, characterize our lives? The Lord gives Paul 15 specific things uh, that, that, that he's to pass along to us. Uh, the first thing we see in verse 11, comfort yourselves together. Uh, comfort yourselves together with these truths. Remind people who get discouraged or frustrated or uh, afraid. I almost said a scared, Brother Ray, uh, or, or afraid. Uh, people who are dealing with fear and worry and anxiety, uh, let, comfort them with these words, with our certain hope. Listen, if your hope is heaven, 
uh, and all the wonderful uh, things of heaven, no matter what happens this side of heaven, there isn't anything to be afraid of. Uh, Paul commands us, comfort yourselves together, encourage one another. The rapture will occur before the tribulation, no matter when you get there, no matter how you get there uh, to heaven, whether you're dead or alive, you have the same hope. Uh, in next part of verse 11, so, so that's number one. Number two, uh, the next thing in verse 11, he says, edify one another, uh, edify one another. Uh, teach these things to each other. Build each other up in the words of God. Uh, don't, don't let each other continue in unbiblical uh, thinking, unbiblical responses to wrong thinking. Uh, build each other and comfort one another. Uh, edify one another. Build each other up in our understanding uh, of these things. Uh, the second thing, or I should say the third thing, uh, Paul called them to exercise right heart toward their pastor. Uh, you see that in verse 12. He, he said, uh, number one, comfort yourselves. Number two, together. Number, number two, edify uh, one another. And then number three, uh, exercise a right heart toward their pastor. He says, verse 12, we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord uh, and admonish them, know them, uh, esteem them very highly in love. I uh, see that uh, here in the passage as well. Uh, in Hebrews 13 and verse 7, uh, the writer of Hebrews, the Lord says, remember them which have the rule over you, your pastor, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Why is this so important? Uh, why is this so important to have a right heart toward your pastor? Well, uh, the pastor is the one who's been called to preach and teach these truths that you are then called to take and comfort yourselves together with and uh, to edify, to build each other up. You want to have a right heart toward the pastor, toward his preaching. Of course, you need to compare his teaching and preaching to the Bible. Uh, you need to compare my teaching and preaching to the Bible, uh, but have a right heart in doing that. Uh, the pastor will teach truth to the best of my ability so that you can be comforted and so that you can be edified. Uh, the fourth thing we see here, uh, Paul says, exercise a right heart toward each other. Uh, be at peace among yourselves, he says there in verse 13. Uh, uh, end of verse 13. And be at peace among yourselves. Uh, we are called to live uh, this side of heaven uh, as a united body, the one body, living with one accord, in one accord, uh, with one mind. All of that wonderful New Testament language, which pictures uh, not, not a universal church, but unity uh, within each and every local church uh, assembly. Uh, be at peace among yourselves. Uh, we are called to deal with our um, offenses uh, as Christ prescribes so that we can remain at peace among ourselves. Uh, we will not be right before God as a church unless we are right with each other within the church. That's, it's critically important that we take that seriously. If there's an offense, if there's uh, some unforgiveness, you need to deal with that. You need to go to the person, work it out, uh, pray, pray that you can be gracious as God has been gracious to us uh, and patient, pray for wisdom, uh, but, but go and, and work it out if you need to do that in order to be at peace. Next thing we see, uh, number five, uh, in verse 14, Paul writes, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them uh, that are unruly. Warn them uh, that are unruly. Now we understand that the, how the word unruly is, the idea is 
literally the idea of insubordinate, those who, uh, in general, probably pictures those who do not recognize the authority of the pastor, the teaching of the Bible. Uh, they're insubordinate toward the Lord as well. They're troublemakers. Uh, the word technically means insubordinate. Uh, our friend Dr. Sorensen notes that in Greek society, it referred to those who refused to go to work, uh, those that refused to place themselves under the authority of a boss or a manager. Uh, and maybe, Brother Ray, that was because, they, again, they thought the rapture was coming and therefore they didn't need to work and provide for their families. We don't know when it's coming. Thief in the night. We don't know when. Um, so it, re it may refer specifically to those folks but it refers in general, more generally speaking, to those that refuse to place themselves under anyone's authority. The Lord has authority. Uh, Christ has authority. He claims that at the end of uh, Matthew. Uh, pastor has authority because God has invested authority in the office of pastor. Uh, God has ordained civil authorities, and we, we need to honor that, and we're trying to do that today. Uh, we have all sorts of uh, there's authority ordained in the workplace, a boss over employees, uh, and so forth. The Lord has called us to recognize and to honor and to obey the authority that he has and that he has ordained. And that's important because we cannot function uh, in an orderly fashion as God desires unless we do. Uh, God's ordained authority in marriage, uh, wives submitting to husbands. A marriage can't be healthy unless... Uh, a wife is doing that, and unless both are submitting to the authority of God. So we have many examples, many, many ways of applying uh, this command. Number six, uh, the next part in verse uh, 14, uh, Paul commands, hey, until the rapture comes, comfort the feeble-minded. Comfort the feeble-minded. Now, that word feeble-minded, the underlying Greek word, has the literal idea of someone who is little-spirited. Uh, Little-spirited is the literal meaning of the word that is accurately translated as feeble-minded. And so uh, this can refer uh, perhaps to someone who is faint-hearted, uh, perhaps to someone who is fearful. Uh, it, may, uh, it may also uh, refer to people who are of limited mental capacity, uh, people who are born with handicaps, uh, who have a very low IQ or who are somehow otherwise uh, limited in their capacity. So uh, I think, and I've, I've looked at what different commentators have said, and uh, most would agree it can refer either to those who are afraid or who have some diminished capacity. Um, whatever it means, whatever it means, it points in a general sense to a heart to be people who are comforting those who need to be comforted. Uh, and what a wonderful way to show love. Uh, what, a, what a wonderful way to show love. Here, if it has the idea of people who have handicap or some degree of handicap, uh, what, what, what greater way to show love than to demonstrate, to give comfort, to comfort those who really aren't or don't have the capacity to offer it back. Uh, Lord, help us to be people who are willing to comfort uh, those uh, who may not be able to comfort us. Uh, have a heart, have a mind to be comfortors. And uh, don't forget, we, we can do this because, right, we are those who've been comforted 
by the Spirit of God. And that's possible because of the cross of Christ. In the next uh, part of verse 14, it's number seven, he says, support the weak. And those ideas go together, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak. Weak here uh, is also translated feeble and sick, and it probably does uh, refer to those who are sick. And of course, there's people all around us today who are sick. Uh, We have to consider how we wisely support those who are sick today. We have to be wise and and take precautions, but uh, whether or not we know someone is sick, they could be sick today. So uh, keep in mind, we're we're called this side of heaven, this side of the rapture, uh, to be people who support the weak, uh, who support the sick. Uh, There there are still things that we can do safely. Uh, We can send notes, we can call. Uh, You can leave food on someone's doorstep at their front door. Uh, Prepare some food. Leave it at their door. Call them or text them. Let them know it's there. Don't think we should necessarily be going into one another's homes at this time, uh, but certainly there's ways that we can comfort and support one another. Number eight, the next part of verse 14, uh, we're commanded to be patient toward all men. Uh, to be patient toward all, all, those within the church, those outside of the church. And some will say, well, it's easier inside the church than outside. Sometimes it's not. You know that. Sometimes it's difficult to be patient toward one another. Uh, please remember again this morning, we're not all at the same stage of spiritual development, and we're all still growing. God's still working on all of us. And remember, of course, that long-suffering is a fruit of the Spirit. You can do these things because we have the enablement of the Spirit of God, the anointing of the Spirit of God. Uh, We can be patient, we can be long-suffering because of Christ and the Holy Spirit. Uh, Number nine in verse 15, Paul commands, this side of the rapture, this side of heaven, see that none render evil for evil unto any man, but, or instead, ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves within the church And to all, all men outside the church, don't be people who are seeking to get revenge on each other or against people who are outside the church. This brother was bad to me, pastor, so I'm going to do this. This person did this, so I'm going to be bad to them. This guy did this to me on the highway, so listen to what I did to him uh, on the highway. Uh, this sister was bad to me, so I'm, I'm not going to comfort her or, or, or edify her or build her up or do this or that. You know what? <laughs> Be gracious uh, as God has been to us. And when you can't, uh, pray, God, help me to humble myself before you. Lord, give me grace that I can exercise uh, toward others. We are commanded to not render evil for evil unto any man, to be gracious toward one another. That is God's desire. That is God's command uh, when we uh, choose not to do that, we are choosing to sin. Lord, help us to get a hold of this idea that you desire, you've commanded us to be gracious toward one another. And God, help us to do that. Uh, number 10 in verse 16, uh, we're commanded to rejoice evermore. Even now, in the midst of a trial, we can be people who rejoice uh, at all times. Paul told the Philippian church in Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice, even now, knowing that God's working in this trial, rejoice. Uh, in Romans 12, 12, Paul said, be rejoicing in hope, patient in, contrib- in tribulation. 
Uh, number 11 in verse 17, uh, Paul commands, God commands through Paul that we be uh, praying without ceasing, especially now. Boy, especially now we need to be people of much prayer. Uh, Luke 18 and verse 1, Jesus spake a parable unto them that men ought always to pray, not to faint, uh, not to stop praying when it's hard or when we don't feel like it. Colossians 4, the Bible says, continue in prayer. In 1 Peter 4 and verse 7, the Bible says, the end of all things is at hand, but be ye sober and watch unto prayer. Boy, we have a lot to pray about right now. We need to pray for, you need to pray for the wisdom of your pastor. You need to pray for wisdom of civil leaders. You need to pray for uh, God to lift this trial. You need to pray for each other's safety, each other's growth. We have so much to pray for right now. And in that, giving thanks. That's number 12 in verse 18. Uh, the Bible says here, in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Pastor, I don't know what's God's will. What's God's will, Pastor? This is the will of God concerning you, you all grammatically. In everything, give thanks. Even now, give thanks for what God is accomplishing through this great trial. Uh, I can't point yet to people who've been saved because of this, but I can sure point to some of you, many of you perhaps, who have grown during this trial. I thank God for that. Give thanks for that. When you get anxious or depressed or worried, give God thanks for what he is doing. And then number 13 and verse 19, uh, we're commanded to quench not the spirit. Uh, this either refers to ignoring the conviction and the leading of the spirit, or it may refer to not being on fire to the Lord, quenching your own spirit. Uh, either is possible, um, Either is possible. I know there's capital S in, in my King James Bible, uh, but either is possible. Uh, be people who uh, stay on fire for the Lord and stay who submitted, stay submitted to the Spirit of God. Quench not the Spirit. Uh, Paul told the Ephesians church, Ephesians 4 and verse 30, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Stay yielded to the Spirit of God. Ask God questions. Lord, what do you want me to do for you? God, how do you want me to apply the verse that I'm reading today? Lord, how do you want me uh, to pray? And as the Holy Spirit lays things upon your heart, quench not the Spirit. Number 14 in verse 20, the Bible says, despise not prophesyings. Now I understand in Paul's day, in, in, in that time, the, the temporary sign gift of prophecy was still in effect. This could refer to that, uh, or I think maybe more likely it, it could refer to preaching in general. So uh, Paul is likely encouraging them to not despise uh, the preaching of God's word. And of course, we have to take care not to do that also, uh, not to have a critical spirit when the pastor is teaching and preaching. Uh, yes, compare it to scripture, but, but be of a heart to receive God's words and to apply them as the spirit leads. Uh, number 15 and verse 21, we're commanded to prove all things. Prove all things. Uh, don't uh, don't, don't just hear something and, and do it, but compare it to the, uh, the Word of God. Uh, if you feel led to do something, compare that to Scripture. Uh, there are, there's a real enemy out there. Uh, there's, there's, there's a real Satan and, and real demons. And Of course, in 1 John 4, we're commanded to believe not every spirit, 
but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Uh, if you feel led to do something, take care to compare it against the word of God to be sure that it's the Holy Spirit, not another spirit trying to lead you down uh, a wrong road. Uh, number 16, in, in the next part of verse 21, we're commanded to hold fast to that which is good. Hold fast to that which is good. Uh, when, when you've seen truth in the word of God, uh, don't just see it and move on. Hold on to it. Get it into your heart. Get it into your mind. Hold fast to truth uh, and then walk in truth. And part of that, number 16, number 16 now, we're almost done. Good thing because we're almost out of time. Number 16 is uh, verse 22, abstain from all appearance of evil. Hold fast to truth and walk in truth and take care to abstain from even the appearance of evil. You understand this morning that people are watching Christians perhaps more than ever before, perhaps more than ever before. Uh, our actions will be misinterpreted if they possibly can be. Take care to prevent yourself from being in a situation that could be misinterpreted as an ungodly or unbiblical thing. Take great care. And you just pray about that. I want to encourage you to pray about that when we close this morning. Lord, if there's something that I've been doing that might give other people, lost or saved, the wrong idea, uh, I'm not intentionally doing anything wrong, but Lord, if I'm doing something that, that dishonors you or bring dishonor among the name of Christians, uh, show me that. Convict me about that. Give me grace to put that off and to, to put on some other approach. I'm going to quickly read Paul's benediction, the last, his final prayer here, and we'll stop and, and pray ourselves. In verse 23, he says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. This was his desire. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's the coming of our Lord again. Verse 24, Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. He will sanctify us. Verse 25, brethren, pray for us. Paul desired that they would pray for him. He prayed for them, and he desired that they would pray for him. Pray for each other. Pray for your pastor. Thank you. Verse 26, greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. He says in verse 27 and 28, I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. And so we're doing that today. In verse 28, he says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Grammatically, all of them and all of us. And he says, amen. Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, his first letter. Lord, thank you. Let's stop there and pray, please. Lord, thank you for this epistle that you've given through Paul. These are your words your instruction, your revelation to us, your comfort, your words that not only comfort but edify and instruct and guide us. I pray, Lord, that these would be our marching orders, these 16 or 17 things that we've just seen quickly, Father. I pray that we would take them and review them uh, as marching orders for your people living this side of the rapture, this side of heaven. Lord, help us to be focused upon your words, your truth, and the specific things that you've called us to. 
Lord, as we do that, I pray that you would bless your people, comfort us, edify us, help us not to be caught up in worry, anxiety, and fear, but to fear you alone and to obey you alone in uh, your strength, with your grace. Father, for your honor and your glory. Lord, I love you. I thank you. I pray this all now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us this morning.